0: On today's UFC Unfiltered, my buddy Jim Norton's not here, but my other buddy, the brilliant John Danaher, is in studio, and we're going to be talking to the former champ, Jafio Dos Anos, about his upcoming fight this weekend versus Tony Ferguson. Also, there's some nasty language sometimes, there's some salty language. Please, kids, EMO's.
1: UFC and Digital Media present UFC Unfiltered
2: with Jim Norton and Matt Sarah, Powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your hosts, Jim Norton and Matt
0: Sarah. That's not Jim Norton next to me. It's me. I hate to do the third-person thing, but it's Matt Sarah, just so people know who they're listening to. Jim Norton's away. Unfortunately, I miss him. But... Fortunately, I have my good buddy, one of the most brilliant jujitsu minds on the planet, John Danaher, Hensel Gracie Black Belt, John Danaher. John Danaher, say hello to everybody.
2: I'm hoping to prove everyone wrong by saying something (laughs) really stupid right off the bat.
0: I'm just looking you over with the rash (laughs) guard on, a bright rash guard, just to brighten up the... Is that the mood? Do you wear the the color of the rash guard? Does that determine the mood you're in, like a fucking Care Bear
2: (laughs) This, this one matches my eyes. I'm going it does match. You're yeah. like a
0: fucking Ray Longo. Whenever he's got to do something <laughs> that's gonna be possibly there's some pictures taken, he wears something blue to show off his baby blues. You do have fucking. I noticed. I never. I don't it, think. I,
2: it's never worked. In I the don't past. think
0: I ever lo- noticed that you have uh, what color eyes? Are the blue hazelnut? hazelnut. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah what are they the hazelnut definitely The fucking yeah. what are what yeah. flavor is that what, <laughs> it's what, called blue is it blue yes.
0: i'll never look in your eyes again you realize that <laughs> I, I think i'm deeply scarred right now <laughs> now listen we're gonna get into everything about how you got started we're gonna start way back but and then we're gonna get to everything i want to talk about your leg lock system i want to talk about your guys that are just wrecking havoc on the on the submission grappling uh, circuit um, you know, your whole Danaher Death Squad from Eddie Cummins to uh, uh, Gary Tonin, who just uh, won over the weekend. And I'll tell you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back in a second, but on, on the way here, I was watching uh Gary Tonin versus uh Pal Harris. Yeah. That was so much fun. Yeah. Interesting. That fight. was uh, yeah, very, very interesting. interesting. And and uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get all through you, we're gonna get to you guys in a second, but I wanna bring it back. I wanna bring it way back, Chris the producer. Say uh, how how far back? You run it go with it. Work how with far back, man? Way back. <laughs> way back to the days of the Gracie Kukuk Academy on uh West Twenty Seventh Street. Uh that was, I believe, when we met. Yes. Is that your first how did you first hear about Panzo and Jiu Jitsu and how did you end up there?
2: Uh well, I, I was teaching at Columbia University and at nighttime I was working as a bouncer in various nightclubs around the city. Um I had a very good friend at Columbia University called Christian Barry, Ooh. and one day he came into my office. It was during office hours. I, was, I, was, uh, I had just finished, uh, uh, I, I taught philosophy at, at Columbia. I just finished my office hours, and Christian came in, and he said, you know, John, I, I know you work as a bouncer, and I just want to tell you, I've I started doing this this thing. It's called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and... It's it's about fighting on the ground. Now, as a bouncer, you quickly f- learn that most fights do end up on the ground. The, the old cliche is pretty much true. And um, uh, so I, I said, "Really? I'd never heard of any Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'd heard of many martial arts. I'd done martial arts as a child, and and um, I'd never heard of any Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu." So he goes, "Yeah, they they, uh, they 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 do this wrestling on the ground, and they they strangle each other."
0: Do you remember what year this is?
2: Uh, this is probably about 1993. Yeah. Okay. And um, uh, so I go, okay, how long have you done it? He said, two weeks. Yeah. Now, at that time, I was, I was a fairly powerfully built yes. person. I was, right. I was around 230 pounds at the time, and Christian Perry was around 145 pounds. Who's okay. a small man. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of, I didn't want to be rude, so I didn't say anything derogatory, but I was kind of dismissive. I was just like, you know, like, yeah, you know, like, okay, whatever, Brazilian wrestling, whatever. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> So he goes like, um, w- would you like to see some? Maybe it can help you in your are bouncing. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I, I locked the door and I immediately grab him and put him in a headlock and throw him on the ground. And
0: this was in where? At the this, is,
2: this is at Columbia University in the philosophy department. Okay. And, <laughs> and uh, so um, I, I now have this tiny guy who's been doing yes. jiu for two weeks in a headlock on the ground and I'm, and I'm trying to pull his head off. Yes. And um, now normally this used to work very well for me in in bar fights. I I had a a strong headlock and I would just headlock people and they would quit and I would drag them out of the bar. So um, much to my horror, Christian started wrapping his legs around behind my legs and started squirming towards my back. Yes. Now, (laughs) I I was a big guy. I was bigger than him. So, So I just squeezed my biceps harder and I squeezed and squeezed and squeezed. Like minutes went by and finally my arms started getting really tired and I had to quickly scramble back up to my feet and get away from them. Yeah. And I... I suddenly dawned on me that I didn't get beaten, but on the other hand, I didn't beat him either. And he's only been training two weeks, and he's half my size,
0: skinny guy. Yeah. Christian Barry So I
2: was just like, "Hey, <laughs> kidding me?" Like, so I, I was, I was intrigued. He, he did an incredible sales job on me, and um, so I got the information. I went down to uh, a class, which in those days was run by Craig Kukuk. Yes, uh, Henzo hadn't arrived in New York yet. Henzo would come in periodically, but Craig was the guy in, in charge of most classes. And uh, the first night I was there. I remember I did okay with the white belts because I was big. Yes. And the school level was relatively low in those days. But all of the blue belts systematically crushed me. Um, And you were not there my first night. You Uh were there my second night. Uh, remember our yes, first meeting. Yes, i remember it well and i because i remember they blew a purple eventually. you 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 were uh you were blue about two months away from purple oh wow now wow. the reason i remember you is because all the guys who had crushed me the first time i came <laughs> said wait till you see this guy mad <laughs> he crushes us so i was expecting like you know some kind of like Mythical dragon to come out, <laughs> and and said, "You got to be—you were very young at this time. You were a young I young man, and you were not a big fellow at no. all. You were a small little small. fellow, and the I, yeah. and, and the you had a little buzz cut. You looked like a crazy little nut job. Yeah. And um, I remember looking at <laughs> this—is this is the immortal man? And 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 and, and every instinct inside me said, like, I mean, they, I know that these guys are just." beat me up yeah. and they say this kid beats them up but i'm looking at you i'm not putting it together i'm like this guy can't beat anybody up like you know yeah. screw that buzzcut, fuck him and um <laughs> uh so i wrestled you and you uh as predicted beat the living piss out of me and um i remember uh oh, saying you know how did you get so long and you yourself had not been training that long at that point so it's it, it struck me that not only were you very good but you had gotten good in a relatively short period of time that gave me a lot of hope and um because i you must remember i started very late i started yes. at the age of 28. And uh, I had a lot of physical problems because I, I have a, a crippled left leg. So I was wondering, you know, can I get good at this sport? Is it worth my time to invest in? And, um, and uh, much of my hope came from the fact that you had gotten so good so quickly.
0: Well, we know the answer to if you could get good at it. Because isn't it funny how now, like, the student is the teacher, how, how you fast forward. And Chris, the producer, towards the end of my career... You know, Henzo's all over the world. You know, Henzo's hard to peg down. Every time I had Henzo here, by the way, John, you'll appreciate this. I gave him a different time. I gave him like an hour earlier. And he'd still come. <laughs> and he would just be a few minutes late and he'd be all proud. I'd be like, I gotta break it to him, right, Christopher so I'm like, I really I he's all proud of himself. I go, Henzo, I, I made it a little bit later. <laughs> later. But um
2: it's funny how all of us have adapted incredible hmm. strategies to deal with the fact you know henzo's gonna be three hours Is, late isn't for everything. It like you you've got the fake clock one yes. and uh, like there's literally like 10 different strategies <laughs> and none of them really work but they kind uh, of a little bit yeah.
0: but i get, so so towards the end of my career i'd have john come with me from uh my last few fights and i'll tell you man like uh my 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 matt hughes fight was crucial my frank trigg fight two wrestlers but just to but totally different as far as strategically how to defend yourself at least yeah. on the floor yeah. where a guy like matt hughes his most, we knew we could not ha- let him get cross-eyed and get the crucifix position. I, We would rather even give up the back, which yes. I ended up doing yeah. in the fight, because yeah. we know I could escape. But there's certain, and then it, totally opposite with um Frank Trigg, who doesn't care so much for passing. He tries to plant himself and just in your guard and look to drill you from within the guard. So what I need as, you know, I mean, I might be a jujitsu master, I've been on the mat for so long and but at the same time you need an outside perspective and you know you can't just get it from anybody you need it from somebody that you respect and knows their shit you got to trust when you're fighting on that level you have to trust in what they t- when ray tells me something is going to land standing up or believe in this believe in that go for this I 100% believe in what he's telling me, and I need the same for the floor. So by bringing you in and by repping those and putting it in, we had our buddy Pete Drago Sell, that <laughs> meathead fucking who's dangerous on the floor as well. He's got an underrated ground game, Pete Cell. That's true. Sell. It's true. Um, uh, you know, I brought him the week of the fight, John Danaher, and he would put me in the worst positions and. Coach me out of it, and I just felt razor sharp, man. And he does the same. We, when Chris Weidman's fighting, John's always there, and he's putting them through the paces. And it just you just you just feel everything sharp, man. Just today when you went to bear hug me, see, I got my shoulder underneath your fucking <laughs> right underneath your shoulder, motherfucker. Your, your, your instincts are good. I don't, good. Your I don't instincts forget are good. that shit. But going back back in the day, I remember the first time. I'm not, I'm gonna remember. I remember a couple of things because I remember we were, we were very tight. Back in the day. As far as the first time rolling, I don't remember. I do remember one of the first times. And John is really not... I don't think he's really telling you how strong and big he was. Like, right now, we look at this guy who looks like a little bit more of a built Lex Luthor, who's fucking (laughs) like an evil genius, but you know the motherfucker's in shape. And back in the day he looked like like almost like a WWE type wrestler, like a big, he had hair down to his shoulders and he never wore the rash guards back then because I don't even know if there was fucking rash guards back then. I don't think I mean, they were
2: invented at that Well, thing. I don't even think
0: they were there, but he would always, doesn't matter the weather, if it's not, he'd always wear a Giants fucking mesh fucking, a Giants jersey,
2: right? <laughs> it's correct. Is it. that thing still around? Uh, it's somewhere.
0: That thing. So I remember I was in the, and I remember rolling with John one time, and and you wouldn't, nobody would ever, I don't think anybody would even believe me. I just remember John and he was a big dude. This might've been the first time we rolled and I was cross-eyed on him trying to just literally picking me up and trying, and I was jumping to each side <laughs> cause he was throwing me from side to side like a fucking savage, dude. He was an animal. So, and I remember in, I was in the locker room and David Chung, who's a Henzo Gracie, uh, black belt, good friend of ours. And, uh, I remember him telling me like, you know, Hey, this bouncer, John, he uses this, we were talking about how effective uh, jujitsu is, you know, on the street. And he was bringing up how, oh, you know, do you know, John, John, you know, he always uses this when he's, when he's bouncing at the crane club, he's using his stuff left and right. And, and I go, who's, I go, John. And that's when I started become tight with John. And I found it very. he's very interesting, John, because you don't want to sum up all bouncers because I know guys, you know, big guys, you know, you don't want to just classify every bouncer as a fucking meathead but a lot of them are okay (laughs) especially in fucking strong island or in new jersey at fucking some of those clubs you want to just smack those guys but john was a different type of guy he looked the part but very soft-spoken like very quiet and very intelligent to the point where i'm like wait you teach philosophy at columbia university and yet you're a fucking you work at the at the fucking crane club you're bouncing like you're a you know, uh, that's what you want. You're like the fucking head bouncer. He was almost like fucking, he was almost like Dalton, but without the <laughs> bad fucking haircut. No, he had a bad haircut, but he was different. <laughs> ah, remember that fucking Roadhouse? I, I How different. was Roadhouse? Yeah. Was that realistic as a bouncer? I, 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 was that you? Did yeah. you give that speech? <laughs> Were you the cooler?
2: <laughs> I used to fuck guys like you in prison.
0: Yes. No, No. Not, not, I'm not the bad guy in the movie. I meant Dalton, you sicko.
2: <laughs> yeah, but no, no one remembers Dalton's lines. Oh, by don't the way,
0: I. and by the way, I don't want to bring up my fucking... About me back in the day because I was I was always a maniac. But there was a time across the street from the the Crane Club. But listen, back in the day, I my priorities were just I was just a maniac, just training. Just that's all I did was train, go to with Johnny to fucking Burritoville or something. Talk about training, talk about more things, and then just go back and forth to Long Island to New York and hang out with my friends. Just train, train, train twice a day. We lived on the mat, but um. What the fuck was I about to say before that? <laughs> Something about the
2: crane club. You were talking back about- yes! yes!
0: Chris, this is why he's here. He's not just here to fucking look up shit of the fucking- See how he brings me right back? You're about to refer yes. to a bar the-
2: across oh. the street. Yes, the I Green was, club Johnny. For a notorious was- night of misadventure.
0: And listen, I did not go out. I was so pent up. Cause I didn't, I wasn't really, you know, what's weird too? I wasn't really masturbating as much back then. All I would do is train. <laughs> this
2: is, what
0: is, this? This, is un, this is UFC <laughs> this unfiltered. Is, yeah. And, this
2: is a day of Frank and fish And I
0: wasn't out there looking. I wasn't out there trying. I was going through, at one point I went through like a trial with even girls. I was just training. I was, I was just training. Cause I went through a bad breakup and all I would do is just train. Do you remember this? I, I, I remember. you, you, you remember this? You, you had
2: one solid girlfriend for like, many, like, many, many years. Yes. And then you broke up. And I remember. Right there, before yeah, Purple yeah, belt. So yeah, yeah, You remember,
0: yeah, you absolutely. were right there for yeah, that. Yeah. And then it, it was almost like meant to be, because then right after that, I got my purple belt. And that gave me, oh, look. And then that gave me, I had to, it's almost like you have to work through like, I use it as like therapy in my training. Hmm. Does that make sense?
2: Uh, well, that would suggest why you're completely insane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but anyway, uh, one time Johnny, and he's not, he doesn't judge me, because Johnny, we you know, he, the guy loves me. We're like brothers. We know each other 20 years. And he doesn't judge me. But the happiest I ever seen him uh, at that point I remember him just smiling ear to ear. And I was really, I got so, I was out of my mind that night. And he just, and I thought the girl, I thought the girl was in a different weight class. I ended up, Johnny saw me dancing on the dance floor. Johnny, yeah. what would you say you Super saw me? Fighting in the, the first time you saw me fight in the open weight class?
2: <laughs> yeah. Let's just say that as impressive as Matt Sarah's performances in open weight and Judith's, who were his performances in open weight romanticism, even more impressive.
0: just that one night. Don't let my wife look at me differently. I'm not a sick <laughs> fucking. He. I never knew you were a chubby chaser. I'll say, stop it, honey. No, I was blitzed, Chris the that, producer.
2: That wasn't a chubby Journey, chaser. That was a minor. No, no, she chaser. was a
0: fucking Gamorrean guard from fucking. <laughs> I think I seen her in Return of the Jedi since, but uh, she was a big chick. And, she she and was the monster that ate the Gamorrean. You know what I did though, Chris the producer. I, I, I was always a silly guy even back then. I like to make my friends laugh. I was just dancing with her and stuff like that, but. But back to, let's get back to training. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, you dug your own grave Listen on that one, Mr. Sarah.
0: sometimes you got to fight in the open way, Lord. That's and true. like Rodrigo Gracie said back in the day to quote him, you know, God's watching. <laughs> <So> <laughs> a, you got to get into heaven somehow and, you know, he's you, watching. You,
2: you earned your way I into several different heavens. By, uh, yeah. you, you didn't just get I yourself her, into heaven. You got the whole hands of Gracie Academy into <laughs> heaven that, that night.
0: I gave her the, the dance of her life right there.
2: But anyway,
0: <laughs> so Johnny working at the Crane Club training the atmosphere back then we were when henzo came then we got henzo who came and he was there permanently we were really lucky man we had the guy every day we had the guy you know Then is you know
2: the funny thing is man it, i but, don't believe any of us understood how lucky uh, we were we we thought this was it, normal
0: it was a different time though like you we knew that you couldn't get it anywhere like you, it's not like like i again i was coming an hour into in from long island uh, guys would come from New Jersey. You were right there in the city, but still, it we knew it was such a different time because people, even the academy itself, they, we don't you don't see this nowadays not nearly as much. You always get a knucklehead that's still around, but back in the early to mid '90s, people were still not believing in jiu Jersey. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you think about Johnny, all the the morons that walked through that, and then we're in Manhattan. And the guys that came in, it was different kind of knuckleheads. It was guys that were, you had some street tough guys that thought they, this shit doesn't work. But then you had like the traditionalists. They might've been worse. They're trying to poke <laughs> my fucking eyes and stuff. you remember this?
2: I, I, you know what, Matt? I, I'm going I'm to talk about this because you're too modest <laughs> to, to tell the story. Um, what Matt is describing here is it's a time that's very, very difficult to communicate to the younger students in the sport yes. now. So I'll do my best to to, um, to try and paint a picture for you. Um, you must understand that at the time that Henzo arrived in New York, mid-1990s, the martial arts scene in general was 100% different than it is today. Nowadays, most of the young students who come in come from a background where their brothers, their fathers know what the UFC is, and their first introduction to, to martial arts is mixed martial arts. So they see the modern sport of mixed martial arts. It's their first introduction. That was absolutely not the case in the early to mid 1990s people's introduction to martial arts in those days was invariably through hollywood they saw it in the movies
0: 100
2: or through martial arts magazines where they saw crazy stories about traditional martial arts <laughs>
0: death touches
2: death touches <laughs> demark everything like so, so blood sport was the standard introduction yeah. in the 1990s to, to to martial arts um so this was the era that we were working in now matt myself and everyone else who was privileged enough to, to be in henzo school at that time we saw ourselves as revolutionaries we were riding the cusp of this revolutionary wave which was literally changing the face of the martial arts as such we took our position incredibly seriously matt's humorously talking about the amount of time he spent on the mat i'm going to talk about it with no humor whatsoever because it there was a sense in which it was dead fucking serious. We went in there every day trying to figure out and map this the face of this new martial art. At least it was new for us North Americas. It wasn't new to Brazilians, but it was new to us. And we felt like we were like pioneers in a sense. So we we're trying to like you know, how's this going to work in a fight? How uh, I was experimenting at night and bouncing, Matt was experimenting and and fighting and you know, how's this going to work? And uh, and, and we took it incredibly seriously. Now, Matt Serra himself had a particularly pivotal role because he was Henzo's senior student. Um, uh, he, he was Henzo's straight up senpai. He was the, he was the senior of the school, and as such, he was the first line of defense to challenges that came into the school. Now, nowadays, challenges are rare. You don't see them very often, but in those days they were dirt common they came in
0: <laughs> more common than I think anybody will ever know
2: <laughs> I literally within the first month of my training at of Grace Academy, I saw him in no less than six full-up fights not not grappling matches, fights with people who are trying to poke your eyes out, bite you, do nerve touches, etc cetera, etc cetera. and um, uh, Matt's too modest to say this, but he he actually exhibited a good deal of personal heroism on several occasions, and took on people far larger and more aggressive than himself, and uh, showed a degree on a daily basis of mental fortitude. and don't forget, this is a 19 year old kid <laughs> taking on like, huge growing guys who are trying to poke his eyes out. And uh, I can't look back on that era with a mix of humor and pride, and more pride than humor, I have to say. Um, you did some amazing stuff back then mr serum
0: uh we all did buddy but i know i i i it's such it was such an exciting time and i loved it i loved the challenge i loved i just had the we had, the, the the word is pride we did have pride which yeah. just being with henzo just being just just his guys like that's why i i really like like i see i see that same pride that that that's that's with your guys, like the the Dan Death Squad. Your guys, you can see how they're fiercely loyal. My guys are just they. they you, it passes on from 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 teacher to student. It's like the fucking Lion King. It's like the Circle of Life. It goes from one to the other. And I remember just being under Henzo, like just just our crew. Like I don't know – I mean, remember two thousand and one, getting ready for Abu Dhabi. I mean, we had. It was just uh, just the whole the whole unit of us, man, with just Henzo, Sean Alvarez, who was doing Camorras before us before they yeah. were fucking super popular. I mean, it was just an amazing time. Ricardo Almeida, Rodrigo Gracie, you know, then the guys behind the scenes, Sean Williams and Andrew Owens, like you say, you know it's funny with Christian Barry. <laughs> I saw you put a nice post about uh about coming on today. And I saw him, right, fucking, I just Facebook friend them. <laughs> that's just the <that's> <laughs> thing between us. But you see how that social media that helps? Yeah. Me. That's nice. But it was just such a wild time, man. And then not only the guys that would come into, um, that were knuckleheads, guys visiting from, from Brazil. You know, we always had that because of Henzo the yes. connection from Henzo. Guys from Japan. I remember when Yuki, I remember Nakai, Yuki Nakai came in. Yuki came Nakai
2: in. Came in. I, I'm, I'm going to tell the story. <laughs> Yuki Nakai had fought Hicks and Gracie in one of the most well-known of the early era MMA fights. And Yuki Nakai showed a a huge amount of heroism that night. He he, he was essentially blinded in one eye that night and kept fighting. He showed the Japanese fighting spirit... it was just very, very impressive yeah. to watch. So he came to New York City, and of course, at that time, he spoke no English. And he came in with some interpreters, uh, a, a Japanese oh film crew. Oh, there was, no, a, pretty it was big a lot deal. of yeah, the, the
0: elevator opens, yeah, up, And an and entire film like crew stuff. comes
2: out. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Yeah. So, um, of course, Matt, being a senior student, yeah. was told to roll with him first. Now, now, we, the last guy we saw roll with Yuki Nakai was Hicks and Gracie. So we're thinking, yeah. oh my god, this is this is going to be this is going to be tough. This is going to be tough. This is going to be tough. Be yeah. tough. And Matt squares up with him and literally runs him <laughs> over like a 40 ton truck. I
0: was a little bigger, too. Uh, yeah, but it's still so. <laughs> was so was yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's just oh, say that man. uh, it didn't go too well for poor so the exciting. Car. It was so exciting, like we didn't know who's in. And then, remember, back before you took leg locks to a whole, I mean, when I'm talking about a different level, and I want to definitely delve into that because we've seen leg locks before, and there's guys that. Had like a sample background. Mm. There's guys that were visiting. I remember Angelo, one of George St Pierre. Yes, that's correct
2: coaches yeah. came down. He, and he was big a, on a stocky yeah. little guy yeah. and he was
0: taking guys' yeah. legs.
2: He used to I, like Achilles' legs. Yeah. Yes, I
0: remember him taking some legs. I remember Dean, Dean Lister, Lister came, in. came and yeah. you were very impressed with him at the yeah. time and he got a lot of the academy, you know what I mean, with those legs. Not little, you, l- I have little legs.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got short legs. In fact, I could keep those knees in my chest so easy. But it was, uh, that was, oh man, that was a fun time. Yeah, Dean Lister stayed on my couch, me and Harvey couch for like two weeks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Training. So did Mike Pyle. He was in there. On the, a lot of guys it's yes. true. Mike Pyle yeah, came Mike Pyle in. Was yeah. in with us. He, he was
2: actually one of Rodrigo's students yes. for a long time. I think he yeah. has purple that yeah. time because yeah.
0: he was just really, really good. But just the guys visiting in and out. I mean, what a, what a, what a wild time. And then you fast forward. And then when did you – to make this thing your life, like I'm telling you, it's so wild to see the – um the transformation from when you—I I was there for the whole journey. That's one of the nice things about getting older. Where some of the shitty things you see, guys that fucking either lose their mind or fall off or fucking go to the fucking dark side or whatever it is. But you also see guys like yourself. A lot of our guys that came up with us—they're doing well for themselves. All of them: Sean Williams, Damn. Paul Creighton. Uh, I mean, look at—they look at you. I mean, yourself. I mean, it's just—it's nice. Like that first—that first class. Hensel's first class. Like the X-Men first class. <laughs>
2: yeah i, I read Remember the x-men that? all the time yeah yeah
0: john makes fun of me about john's always like how's the wolf man i go it's wolverine you fuck you know it's wolverine stop fucking with me you know john fucking i'm 42 is that sad yes. still, it's, what do you mean yeah it's incredibly <laughs> sad <laughs> oh fuck john i'm not gonna grow up I, refuse, yeah, I,
2: I I gave up on that years I ago. i
0: refuse to fucking grow up
2: You're listening to UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Sarah.
0: Here's a question for you. Have you ever lost or thought you lost your phone? How awful was that? Even if you found it five minutes later. If you're like me, your life is on that phone. Well, guess what? Identity thieves know that too. And when your lost phone winds up in the hands of an identity thief, it can be the beginning of a disaster financially, emotionally, even physically that could take years to unwind. That's why I decided to help protect myself with Identity Guard. With Identity Guard, I get protection from a company that's been in this business for over 20 years, Chris the producer, one that's helped protect more than 47 million people. You can too. Identity Guard continuously monitors millions of transactions and articles and sends you the news, tools, and guidance you need to minimize your risk. Plus, if you were to become a victim of identity theft, Identity Guard's victim recovery specialist will be there to help you through the recovery process. Identity Guard even offers identity theft insurance with coverage of up to $1 million. So get the identity theft protection service that's right for you. Visit Identity Guard at IdentityGuard.com slash podcast. That's IdentityGuard.com slash podcast. What I wanted to get to was um, your relationship with GSP. Mm. Now, he came to the Academy early. He came to Kelly. He was at the Henswell Academy a lot earlier than people think. You know what I mean? That must have been around... That was probably around 2002 or three. When did he come down?
2: Uh, actually, it was earlier than that, Matt. It was not um, Yeah, era. yeah. Um, uh, I'll, I'll give the listeners some uh, context to work with there. Um, the three senior students that Henzo raised first were Matt Serra, uh, Hikaru Ameda, and Rodrigo Gracie. And uh, they were the they They were the spine of the academy. they were the first line of defense to challenges They were the ones who went out and fought in Abu Dhabi and won world championships they were uh, uh, they were the they were our heroes as the junior students we looked up to them as our as our heroes and our inspirations um, but they were also all three of them extremely successful and had to move on and uh, uh, Matt started teaching in long Island uh, Hikado started teaching in Pennsylvania. And yeah. Rodrigo moved to California. So, around the time when they started to go out and make their own careers, uh, Henzo was looking for teachers because he was fighting in Japan professionally at the time and he yeah. had, couldn't spend too much time in, in New York. And so, I remember there was a day where he said, John, you, you're gonna have to teach. And it was a, I remember looking at I'm gonna have to replace those three guys. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And, um, it was, uh, that was the day I decided to get serious about the sport. I was like, I, I can't. I can't let these guys down, and I don't want people to come to the academy. I oh, remember we used to have three amazing teachers here, and now they suck. You know that would have killed yeah. me. So, so I, that's when I started taking things seriously. And about that time, uh, a very young George Saint Pierre started coming into the academy. That was when we had just moved to 30th Street. Yes, and uh, uh, the basement yeah, uh, no, the, you- the, the, in the crack then. Oh, oh uh, wait! That's uh, thirty. On, that's thirty-seven. So 37th Street, yeah, sorry, And they cranked in and, yeah, the yeah. and um, uh, <laughs> upstairs yeah. from the methadone clinic. <laughs> yes, yeah, oh saying. my god. Okay, yeah. And I um, that one. <laughs> no, no one who went there ever forgot. That's that not
0: thirtieth, by the way, people, because yeah. that's where they are now. There's, no, there's <laughs> not a methadone <laughs> clinic <in>
2: there. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring it back. <laughs> and um, uh, so he started coming, and he was, he was when he first came, he spoke literally no English. Yeah. And um, uh, he would come in by bus, and uh, he he just. He was just a very nice, you know, what you expect today. Just a very nice, genuine, warm person, and um, uh, we didn't have much in common in terms of language. But um, uh, judo is a common factor for everyone who steps in the door, and uh, he trained hard. You just come to the beginners classes, then do the advanced class afterwards, and um, uh, trained hard. So uh, you didn't really get to meet him much because.
0: I met him at the UFC. Yeah, I remember being checking our yeah, way for scales. Yeah, yeah you, you're I, think first I was when, making him laugh. Yeah, yeah. I always liked George. From the yeah. second I met George, I, he was a nice guy.
2: He's a genuinely good yes. human being. And um, uh, so he started training there. His skills developed very, very rapidly. He's a hard worker. He's like you. He had that sense of, um, uh, of, of drive. And he, I, I often associate a similar thing with uh, mentally, he and you have much in common, even though. Outwardly, you're very different personalities. There's also commonalities. And one of them is a sense of meaning. That's something that you were talking about earlier. The study of Jiu-Jitsu was absolutely critical to both of you um, insofar as it gave your lives a sense of meaning that you never would have had if you hadn't run into it. I believe that. like You were deeply dissatisfied with your prior life in, in Long Island, New York. And uh, it wasn't until you found something you could devote your life to and live and die for that your your life came to be what it is. And he was exactly the same in that regard. So that both of you had that common thing, just pouring your entire lives into, into your study. And um, so he progressed very quickly. And as you entered the UFC and uh, gained success, and he did. Uh, in in his time uh you you met each other at the UFC but yes. uh but not interestingly in the training halls no that was that was uh, when you were working in mostly in long island so it was it was interesting you both went through the same paths, but at different times
0: i'm going to go on record saying that i believe you are the single biggest influence on george st. pierre's uh fighting style and career And I don't think that you get that recognition because I think a lot of people, he's with this camp and he's here and then he's over. And then these guys are good. I'm not knocking any other coaches. Everybody's got their part. But the philosophy, the strategy, I believe all comes from you. And I don't think you're going to be bragging about that. But I just, I know that. I know how he puts guys down up against the cage. I know what you work with him. Don't get me wrong. You didn't go. You were. You weren't. You weren't a double agent. And this is another thing. Why reason why I, I respect you so much is, when I when I, you you just you you didn't get involved. You were like, look, man. I, and even though you were working with him, you you knew when I had to fight him. You didn't train him. And now a lot of other guys, man, they want to just get that face in the corner because they're with the champ. And not only that. I was it was when I was gonna fight him. I was walking to my death with every So you would it, people would just want that face time. They want to put that face in the corner. Most people, and you didn't do it. So thank you.
2: Mm-hmm, my okay. pleasure.
0: <laughs> Not to make it weird, but thank you, Johnny. <laughs> and uh, you know, well,
2: I, and, I will say one thing though, man. What's that? It's something, it's something that a lot of people don't understand. Um, you, you said something interesting for about George's strategy and tactics, probably the the thing that most people, excuse me, associate with the success of George St. Pierre in the Octagon is what he refers to as as shoot boxing, or shoot box as he calls it, which is the ability to strike into a takedown. And uh, anyone who's ever watched him or fought against him can tell you it's literally freakish how he can cover distance and set up his his double leg and put people down, usually in the open. Um, uh, That... No coach of his, including myself, can take credit for. Yeah. That, that was his. He, it came from a, a strange mix of his early karate background. In karate, they refer to the science of closing distance and entering on your opponent as a rimi. And he's just the absolute master of creating conditions for entering. And uh, he combines that with good wrestling mechanics. But what he's doing is neither wrestling nor karate, nor boxing, nor Muay Thai. It's a strange blend of all of them with something else added, which creates this this shoot box. And that was uniquely his own creation. The most important part of his success in fighting came from that. And no coach, including myself, can claim that they were the person who gave him that. That came from him. he's, He's much more innovative and much more um capable of 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 generating uh technique and change within himself than people give him credit for people always say oh, George had the best coaches he had these coaches had that it's say like, give that kid credit he's he's why don't you why
0: don't you just take the fucking compliment <laughs> 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 you no know, listen i know of course yeah. hey listen that second fight i fought when he the thing is this when i fought george that first time i really had a, an ace on my sleeve man he really thought i was gonna try to take him down so why even you know bother doing his shoe boxing yeah. i'm just gonna beat this guy up standing because his only shots on the floor he didn't know i knew how to throw some fucking soup bones and by the time he found out, I had a really good day of sparring, it felt like, and it was my night. When I fought him the second time, even if I was in top, like I felt like I could have an even better camp. I could be in better shape. I feel I would have lost because of the the up and down, of the up and down. And I got exhausted. I feel that's what did me in. I felt I could have with my defense on the floor and whatnot. I feel at my best that night. Still wouldn't have been good enough because I feel he was on point. He did everything right, but I still feel I would have made it through. Yeah. I feel by that second round I was fucking shot. What a <laughs> shitty fight! Let's get off that subject. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but he's a classy guy. No, I really like George and talk to him. Tell him to get on this fucking thing with me. Could you tell him to get on the podcast? You know
2: what? That would be one hell of That'd a podcast. You got to He's coming I, to New York soon. So I, let's do it
0: talk to him get him on his fucking that, that, you know you know what that, that is Let's stop the podcast
2: me. right there that would be the coolest idea Hell of cooler, all time but
0: you know i like listen let me tell you about about george the type of guy he is i was at uh i was at a, a a club in la okay and i was with henzo and it was i was with sean williams and St. Pierre was with us. And uh, we were all hanging out. I think we went to, the, to get dinner first. Because we had to do something like, it was like a round table thing we had to do for Fox with Henzo and, and BJ Penn and all them. So we were out to this club. And, and this is just the type of guy he is. Like I remember I had to go take a leak. And when you go to take a leak, that in that club in L.A. with the... Like a bunch of fucking zombies with the fucking music play. It's a weird fucking scene. Anyway, I had to get to the it's fucking- a, It's LA. What do right? you- it's, I felt like it was like out of a fucking blade at the movie. <laughs> I was waiting for people to fucking, the, the sprinklers to come on with blood. But anyway, it was one of those fucking clubs. So I got to the bathroom. It took me like 20 minutes to get back and George is waiting there with a, with you know with a chick and he's about to leave and he just wanted to say goodbye to me, right? So, hey, George, all right, take care, man. And then Henzo goes to me, you know, hey- he waited, like, the second you, that they, they, they want, that chick wanted to get out of here a while. He waited the whole time when you, like, 25, 30 minutes for you to go to the bathroom and come back to say goodbye.
2: Yeah. That's I mean, that's just a respectful yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah. No, he's he's know, a good I don't know if that story's
0: person. worth me saying that I went to a club in LA. Now my <laughs> 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 honey, I was just there with the guys. No, nah, it wasn't a big deal. Not just it any
2: club. It was a blade club. It was a
0: fucking, yeah, it was a fucking vampire club. <laughs> That movie
2: wasn't bad, Blade. That was atrocious. Are you serious? I saw it on an airplane. Me, I deeply my, regretted the experience. You know, you
0: know the one thing that John gets, that, that that was really interesting when I'd have my fight week, and I miss this, is my company. My two buddies would be John Danaher and Pete Drago Cell, who you can't really get more. Now, Drago's like a... Like a former type of street kid who's like got that, that and, and, and he's a little thuggish, but he's a great guy.
2: It was a contrast in style. A little
0: contrast in styles. And they got along great. They get along really good. But it's, you know, we I want to go, I want to relax the week of. We go see like Star Trek movie or something. And then we got to go with John and John's got to like just shit all over it. <laughs> it's like, can't you just, what kind of movies do you like? I know you like the thin red line.
2: I really like that Wolfman movie. That
0: no, come like. on. What movies? You used to like Star Wars, didn't you? <laughs> You did like Star Wars. Yeah, when
2: I was five years old.
0: What do you like now? I want to what, be... Listen, forget about all the fighting for a second. I know you were the, the, you're the, the secret pill for... You're not saying it, but you were really... You, you helped George out a tremendous amount. You're, 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 you're a down-hurt death crowd, squad. Dana, Dan, say that ten times fast. down death squad. down death squad. You're, I want to talk about those guys in a few minutes, but... What the fuck was... <laughs> I have
2: literally Perhaps no idea what, like what you were saying. Wars, uh.
0: But... I want to hear, dude, he's so good at bring me back. You know how he knows me? See how he knows me now? To bring me back? Because I'll fucking, I'll (laughs) go off to fucking Burritoville with you. (laughs) I want to talk about you when we are not, listen, John's an interesting guy. Nobody's ever, to this day, has it changed? Has anybody seen your apartment? Anybody? Anybody seen your apartment, John?
2: From the Academy? Yes.
0: Tell me. Eddie Cummins. Don't believe so. Has Eddie Cummins seen your apartment? No. Gary Tonin. No. I'm not to mention any females, I don't want to get you fucking. <laughs> I don't want to get charges pressed against you. But John, John, he, he, John, one of my buddies, Big Chad, Chad LeBrun, good, good guy. We called him the Hillbilly. Uh, he moved back down south. He's got a school in uh, fucking in Virginia. Yes, he yeah, is. What He's a doing well, yeah, what a great guy. What a great guy, Chad LeBron. But. Um, he was leaving back because he couldn't take New York. He was like a Southern guy. He's like, I can't take I hold the door. for the. I called the lady ma'am. And she goes, I'm not older than you. He's like, that bitch. I was fucking. The guy couldn't take it. He couldn't take New York. You know? Oh, fuck. So anyway, when he was leaving, he was giving John his TV that had a, I think, a VHS or a DVD player with it. Yes, because John didn't have a TV in his apartment. Because he's a fucking psycho fan. Chris, the producer, listen to me. Look across from you. Look across from this. He's talking about me finding jujitsu. If he didn't find jujitsu, guess what? You're finding a lot of dead hookers. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. I'm sorry, but oh, fuck. You still might find it. Anyway, but anyway, so he had nothing in his, uh, he didn't have. I'm thinking, what do you do so you don't have, oh, you he to reads books you know which is good i go comic books he goes no you fucking infant <laughs> moron <laughs> he didn't say that last part but 100 percent thinking about it in the cloud bubble above him he's like oh this fucking imbecile he's the guy who's so good at jujitsu. how could that be but uh <laughs> john he, I, he, I was always fascinated by his outlook on life like never what was your longest steady girlfriend because you're not a married guy. Let's tell the people at home. They don't see this side. They want to know the other side of you. Stop <laughs> squirming in your seat. We'll talk about full locks in a second, you fucking weirdo. Did you tell me about your private life?
2: I am no way am I answering that question. What are you saying? A- any other question on my private life?
0: All right. Sorry. Forget about how long you dated a girl.
2: Okay. <laughs> that would incriminate now, do me you, immediately.
0: do you see yourself one day getting married?
2: Uh, yeah, sure. One day. Really? Um, John, I, I, John, I'm being serious Yeah, yeah so am I. So Don't I, fuck I, with yeah, me. Yeah. I'm, uh, I think that there are certain conditions under which marriage is acceptable okay. for, for men. Um, it's almost always acceptable for women, of course. Yeah. Um, for For men, I believe if you are over the age of 90 oh, and it. your bride is under the age of 21 and... She is about to inherit several billion dollars. Wait a second, and are her you- <laughs> father owns a Corvette dealership. Wait, and- wait, hold on, can
0: I stop you right there? Because no. I see, <laughs> are you trying to? So, you're trying to say you meet the per you meet a girl that's yeah. into philosophy, mm-hmm. that's into comic. Oh No, that's my kind of girl, the comic books, that's into um bad movies. No, again, that's my 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 I'm thinking of my dream girl, which is my wife, by the way. I love her, man. Um, but. You, that's into all the stuff you're into but yet doesn't nag you doesn't annoy you all right honey i have to go with the wolverine the, your wolverine eddie comes eddie cummins has to go take some limbs at the ebi next week i gotta okay honey come back and i'm gonna make you your steak like what are you ever lonely john are you ever lonely
2: i'm alone but not lonely
0: now you're alone with your thoughts which is downright criminal no but now you you're constantly reading books do you watch anything on television
2: I, I don't have a TV
0: you still don't have a TV no. well now with the computer you don't fucking need one do you John do you have a computer no oh, oh my <laughs> holy quick when's, when's the when's the phone going quick He's, he's, he's talking lower. I, I have an iPhone it's getting you have an iPhone yeah but yet you do study tape don't you still study yes. like matches I remember talking to you about
2: there's a computer at the Academy yes I'll, I'll, I'll watch opponents of guys that or people that are yes. about to find some of my people
0: now I wanna I wanna I want to talk about how the leg locks that we there was one time that you you went through a couple of nicknames John in New Zealand uh, fucking. then it was a uh, Big John at one point when you were first there and Johnny Leglock was there for a while and back in the day you were just so strong that you used to get around the leg and kind of just pull into it and <laughs> it'd be like fuck man don't let John get around your leg but it's more than that now it's more because the guys the best guys are not physically imposing. Your your kid, Eddie Wolverine visited my school on a very dangerous night because I got some fucking killers and he took their fucking legs. <laughs> yeah. And he's not, if you put a lineup like in a fucking lineup, you'd say, all right, who's gonna be the guy to taking the fucking legs? You wouldn't pick out that guy because he looks like a little muppet. <laughs> and he's fucking he dies. Look at him. I can't wait. He looks wait like, to look tell at him this. Wait, <laughs> hold on I'm looking at him. It's Chris the Producer. No, hey, right or wrong. He doesn't look like a hey, Gary Eddie, Tony looks like look, Gary Tony looks a little bit like a badass. The, uh, the Wolverine.
2: He doesn't look like a Wolverine. He, he doesn't sure. look like a
0: Wolverine. <laughs> you know? But I'll tell you, how did you come up with this system with taking the legs the way you do?
2: Okay. Um, that's a, a fascinating question. I'll, I'll try and answer it in a way which will make sense to some of the listeners. Yes. Um, when we were taught leg longs as beginners, um, we were always taught them in a manner where there was no distinction made between the means of controlling the opponent and the means of breaking the opponent the word uh, which we use to describe the control responsible for leg locks uh, or at least the most common form of leg locks that we that we use um, is ashigurami it's japanese it means literally entangled legs that's where my two legs control one of my opponent's legs there are many variations of ashigurami. When we were taught leg locks, we were always just taught the, the hold where there was no distinction made between the ashigurami and the mechanism of breaking the leg. What I did, what I changed, was I made that distinction, and I based my entire leglock system, or at least the ashigurami aspect of the, of the leglock system, around that distinction between the mechanism of control and the mechanism of breaking, so that there could be multiple ashiguramis for one break. Oh. Okay. Once that started to occur, then you could develop a system where you could overcome resistance you could have a system that had a beginning a middle and an end and took any given scenario in the sport through resistance to a desired end the breaking of your opponent's leg um uh, in a way which is extremely difficult for opponents to to get away from and over time the system gained in sophistication as we saw people defending certain aspects of the system we'd, we'd bring in counters and recounters etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh but it all came out of a simple insight: the distinction between the ashigarami <laughs> element of, of leg locking and the breaking element of leg locking
0: and it's funny and when those obstacles came up you worked with them and just added onto your system yeah. just the, and that's and that's 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 the beauty of it because it like i said uh, they, and you see a huge difference with the guys that even some guys that are good at sambo they're not it's they're going for the lock and they could have it nice they could have a good heel hook most but people the yeah, yeah
2: most most people just see a leg lock as a collection of tricks <clears throat> yes it's like you know when they when they can't get uh, their normal game to work they'll throw yes. in a leg lock and see it, maybe that'll work okay yeah. um so rather than uh, approaching them in a systematic fashion, uh, fashion leg locks for years were seen as trick moves okay when 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 How this soon? the fun
0: right oh, now. So oh we're going to we're going to come so, back to this because yeah. this is fuck this is so interesting and we're getting back to that first we got the former champ who's fighting this Saturday versus Tony Ferguson on Fox Sports 1 at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Rafael Dos Anjos. That kill his name right there, did I? Dos Anjos. Hafio, you on there, buddy?
1: Hello, I'm here. How are you guys?
0: How are you, buddy? You with Matt Serra and Jim Noren's not here, but we have the brilliant John Danaher in, in studio with me today. How are you, buddy? How are you,
1: guys? Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, no, man. I'm a huge fan. Love your fights. We have a friend in common. Your jujitsu jitsu coach is uh, uh Roberto uh, Gordo, correct? Uh-huh. Yes. That's your guy, isn't he? He's your jujitsu coach.
1: Yeah, we've been together for 10 years. Unfortunately, for the first time, Gordo cannot make it to this oh. fight. He's in Abu Dhabi, working hard there, so he cannot make it. But uh, I'm here with uh, good people. Oh, I'm sure. You... everything everything's going to be great.
0: I'm sure you got a good bunch of people around you. Look at me starting off with a fucking downer. I'm sorry, <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to bring up that when I was in Brazil back in the day with my little buddy Paul Nino, who you know, Johnny, uh, he had his comp- uh, apartment complex and... And be, behind his apartment complex in Baja was, uh, Gord, was Gordo's Academy. He had like a little place he, he had a few days a week. And I would train with Gordo as like a 23-year-old kid, man. So that's just, I was just bringing it up for that, man, because we know the same fucking guy. I like Gordo a lot. But what are you doing right now, brother? What are you doing now?
1: I'm doing good, man. I just woke up. I mean, he chilling in my room, you know. And so we like... Last two days, you cut the weight, the last last couple pounds, and I'm just here with good guys, you know, great energy, and ready to put on a great show on Saturday night.
0: Now, you you man, I, I always love watching you fight. I loved your fight with Pettis. I mean, what you did with Cowboy Cerrone—that nobody seems to be able to do. I mean, you were up until obviously. I don't want to get back to Negativeville, uh Your 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 first title defense versus Eddie Alvarez. You, I mean, you were on a freaking tear. And even in that fight, you were looking. When I remember when I, was, when I was there live, I remember when Eddie tried to take you down and you took that thing away. You were looking so sharp. Do you think in that last fight, was it, hey, man, do you chalk it up where you just got caught? Or do you see, hey, man, I got to really revamp things?
1: Yeah, man, I think, like, that, that's what happened in MMA. You know, once you get caught, uh, that's what happened. And I think I just had a bad night of work, you know, and Eddie Albert did great. But I think if we, we fight ten times I'm gonna win nine of ten, you know. And I'm pretty sure I am I am the best lightweight. I have this on my mind. I am the best lightweight in the world and I am I ha I, I healthy enough to, to prove it once again.
0: And what are your thoughts on Tony Ferguson? I mean, Tony Ferguson's coming off a winning streak of uh, eight fights, Chris, the producer, of eight fights. And he, I mean, the guy, he knows. He knows that a, a, if a, a victory over the former champ really sets him up. It sets him right up for a title shot. Do you feel, what what are your thoughts on Tony Ferguson as an opponent?
1: Yeah, man, like you said, the guy's coming from eight wins straight. After my fight against the Alvarez, I I asked for a rematch, but it didn't happen. And I say I asked my manager, oh, who should I fight? So who who should I beat? And they're going to give me a t- title, title shot next. And then we thought about Tony Ferguson. And I think who in uh, Saturday, which I'm pretty sure will be me, uh, 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 deserve a title shot. And the guy's tough, you know, good sheets, you know, like, uh those Re you know that guy is very sleek on the ground, very funky style. but uh, uh, I think i I'll be able to handle that, and he's a tough guy, but like i said i'm I'm ready to prove that i'm that I'm the real champion and then I come back stronger than ever.
0: Now, do you feel because he's on this winning streak, do you feel you, an a impressive victory over Tony Ferguson? you think that puts you back right in line? for the next for the next title shot
1: yeah, that's my plan, that's my plan uh one step one step at a time, but my focus right now is on Saturday, and I think a victor over Tony uh, uh, will give him a title shot because i will be there I'll be there in New York watching this title fight, and I want to get the winner with the at corner or Eddie the i will be there
0: and out of the corner uh and Eddie fight, what is your take on that? What is your? Because you were supposed to uh, welcome Conor McGregor to the division, and uh, and that didn't happen. Now, what do you think? How do you think that fight's gonna go? Who do you think's gonna come out on top?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, for the first time in my career, I broke my foot, uh, like a, I cancel fight due injury, and I have thirty three professional fights and never uh, cancel any fight due injury, but they happen for the first time, and. And yeah, man, I really think uh, uh, Connor has big chance to win the title. I think he has big wins to, to to big chance to win at the Alvarez.
0: Oh, so you so you're basically you're picking Connor?
1: Yeah, I think I think he'll get he'll get that.
0: And now, how important? Now obviously, we're, we're concentrating on the task at hand. I know you got a hell of a guy in front of you, and I know you're focused on that. I never like to look past fights that I always had in front of me. But how important is a fight with Conor McGregor? Would you like that a fight with Conor McGregor? I mean, is that, is that something that you really do you care about it at all or not at all?
1: No man, uh, uh, fight Conor is not my goal. You know, like my goal is get my belt back. You know, but if Conor has the belt and if he decides to fight to defend the belt later on, I want to be the guy. Or corner or Alvarez, who wins? I don't, but fight corner is not my, my my goal, you know. My goal, everything I do in my life, I want to be the best. So I'm fighting FC, like the division, I want to have the belt. So I had it, I want to get it back again, you know. And But if corner wins and he decides to, to don't, don't hide himself behind the belt, and sit on the belt, and you know, and lock up the whole division. I'll be there to take it.
0: Now, a guy like Tony Ferguson is very unorthodox. Like he's got on his feet, he does wacky stuff. You mentioned his ground game. He's working with Eddie Bravo. Very good at the high guard, the rubber guard. He locks you up. Um, yeah, very unorthodox. Was it hard to get sparring? To get guy, have guys uh, simulate him?
1: No, oh, man. I got a I got a I got a good, two, six guys around me. I have a I have a friend of mine, Edwin Ajimi. He's a black belt, <laughs> brown belt, world, world champion. He has great dark strokes. He's got a very fun style, like like uh, uh, like Ferguson. In my opinion, ten times better. Yeah. So I was, you know, like he's a he's a Baha'u student. This guy is amazing, and he's been helping a lot here with a Philip Delamoni as well. And so we've been, we've been around a great team, great guys, and, man, ready to, ready to kill.
0: Yeah, man. Now you all you got to do is do press all day. <laughs> How you did yeah. you doing a lot of press today or no? How are you doing with that? You doing a ton? Yeah, I have a pretty busy day today, man. Yeah, man. Like, you better have some yeah. espresso. And now the week of the fight. You chill, you try to relax the week of the fight? Do you like to go to the movies? you just chill out with your friends? What do you in the week of? Are you just, just concentrating on your weight? What do you do the week of the fight?
1: Yeah, man, usually I like to, you know, stay around good people, good energy, you know, and reading, reading my Bible as always, you know, listening to no good songs, stay with my, my friends, you know, and getting ready for always, like, usually I do do one, one training a day, just to 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 cut their weight, but usually I like to 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 stay around my friends you know around good people
0: now your fight this weekend versus Tony Ferguson ten o'clock Eastern time on uh fox Sports one it It's in Mexico City now we've seen guys in the past, even guys that don't have a habit of gassing gassing out due to the out due to the altitude. Did you take that into consideration? I mean, I know it's guys could be in normal shape, great shape normally. Then they get to that different altitude, it hits them hard. Did you take that into consideration, the altitude?
1: No, man. I, I like like I did. I, I come to Mexico City ten days ago, nice. but before coming here, I was in, in Mammoth Lake, that even higher than here. So I got good camp. So I think like altitude make a lot of difference. But I'm 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 totally acclimated right now.
0: Oh, that's awesome, man. All right, listen. Happy, I know you've got a ton, a ton of more interviews to do, man. I'm I'm happy you came on to talk about, about your fight this weekend. Fox Sports 1, 10 p.m. Eastern Time versus the very, very dangerous Tony Ferguson. I want to wish you good luck, bro. And say hello to Gordo from me if you talk to him.
1: Okay, thank you. Thank you for having me. I will say hello to him.
0: All right. Take good care, luck, you. brother. Take care.
1: Thank you. All right.
0: Former champ right
1: there, Johnny.
2: He's a nice guy. What a nice guy. He came to the uh, Henzo Grace Academy many times to train. And uh, very, very professional. Very well-spoken. Very intelligent fighter, too. This is UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Serra.
0: Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can! With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash unfiltered. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash unfiltered. One more time, Chris the Producer. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash unfiltered. What I noticed with the and, the, and again, blown away by what you did with the leg locks, blown away. Because I got guys that are not easy to get and they're still getting caught. And you see how you know something is effective. And that's what we love about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is uh, compared to like, remember we talked about growing up when the old like myths with the, oh, you you step here. All right, you kick the groin, fight's over Really? Is it? I don't, I don't know. And how is that? how do you even prove that? With us, we proofs in the pudding. Take yeah. you down, strangle you. Yeah. You know? Um now what's your leg guys know, guys know that Eddie Cummins is going for these legs in EBI. They know it. Guys know, just over the over the weekend, you just got back from...
2: From uh, Bournemouth, England. England. And, uh, Go ahead. Gary Tonan fought against Gilbert Burns, who's two times uh, world champion in BJJ and also the current bronze medalist in ADCC. how do you beat him? Uh, inverted heel hook out of a scramble situation. How proud are you?
0: How proud are you? I, I
2: mean, Gary Tonin's just an incredible athlete. Will you stuck? Um,
0: Listen to me. I know he is. But they have something in common. You motherfucker, you sick bastard. <laughs> Are you I mean no because Johnny I just love seeing it, man. I have I seen the whole journey. And now you're one of the best what's up, Christopher. I was what just you? gonna say, just get a little closer to the mic there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no problem. He breaks up the whole fucking rhythm of everything. This fucking... <laughs> John's looking at you now and even though he's been doing a lot of no he's looking at that fucking collar. And he <laughs> oh, will, you can take me out He I'm will sure, strangle yeah. the fuck out of you, Christopher. I know. I'm sorry, Christopher <clears throat> But this is what it comes down to, is when I asked you how that, th- I knew how he got it. I, I knew I knew what he got. I knew he got the leg. You're seeing the same results from different, different, um, uh, uh, your different uh, squad, member, different members of your squad are all getting similar results, the same results, and, and it's all due to your teaching. You have to be very proud of that. Very proud of that. Okay, I know you're not going to take compliments. I'm going to move on right away. Okay, Look at you. He can't take anything sick and demented. I say he'll fucking grin like a bad kid. I give him compliments. He's just like, it's like, stop it. It's getting weird. But now listen, what do you think? Now, my question is, and I love, I love the leg locks. I told you if to, to transition that into MMA. Now, how soon are these guys pulling that off in MMA? Because the, what I've noticed is, and, 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 and I don't want it being a problem in the future. And tell me what you're doing with that. Now your guys are already. They. Do you want these? Do you want them to develop a controlling game first, like a, like a more of a traditional type yeah. game first, before that, they implement? That's an
2: excellent question. Um, if uh, I, I teach at the Hinsley Gracie Academy, of course. Uh, but if I if I had my own school, yes, I would have a very strongly divided beginner and expert sections in class yes. and the uh, I'll say some things that might, might surprise people if I ran uh, a beginners class I would not only uh, disallow leg lock uh, yes. activities for the first year of, of training I, w- I would probably even disallow arm locks I would have students focus only upon positional work and strangleholds I do believe that strangleholds are the the most effective form of submission in the sport. They give you the greatest versatility and the, the most high percentage um, uh, method of, of uh, uh, controlling people. They are the most uh, useful in, in actual fighting uh, as opposed to just you know, a sport uh, situation. And I believe that um, the, uh, when you ban everything except strangleholds, beginners are forced to develop a strong positional game. Because the only way you can get to someone's neck is by first getting past their legs and controlling them and pinning them. So for the first year of training, I would have my students only do positional work and strangles. Only when they had gotten through that would I bring in joint locks of any kind, whether leg or arm locks. And uh, uh, then they would go into the advanced class and they they would they would change. There would, there would be two Jiu that I would teach them. I would teach them a, an even more traditional Brazilian Jiu Jitsu than the, the, the standard method for the first year so that they become positionally strong and they develop the ability to follow to get to and follow the back for strangleholds the most important kind of submissions and uh then joint locks would be introduced in their second year of training and they would work from there
0: that i'm so first of all yes people are going to be surprised yeah. because of the of- all the success you're having with your this, your leg lock system on the on the on the major circuit i am so happy to hear you say that I personally as a jiu jitsu yeah. instructor
2: my 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 nightmare as a jiu jitsu instructor is that 10 years from now we'll see jiu jitsu as a game of two guys flopping around the mat with no control over each other yes. uh, crawling around each other's legs ineffectually trying to to twist each oh, other's yeah. ankles
0: uh, that's that's and that's that's such a that that's such a huge part of it i mean personally now I know like even back in the day we had there was different philosophies on the gi, you know, and me and you talked about this as well. Uh Craig we had Craig Kukuk, who was one of our first teachers who was, doesn't, didn't even own a gi. He said I don't even own a gi. Big German guy. <laughs> but uh
2: that's exactly how he I, said I, it. I,
0: didn't get, I see I don't get to my putting time. But then um and then there was Henzo, who always went over the importance of a gi. Henzo loved the gi. He loved the gi. And uh you know, so we had those like those two different fathers raising us with yeah. that you know that philosophy in the beginning i was always i felt more no nogi because i remember the tricks with the gi where we could slow down but not but then over time i mean i loved it i rolled with the gi this morning i rolled with pete drago sell our good buddy and jay gershon you know that little <laughs> he's a little hebrew hammer <laughs> tough little guy he's a good he's, he's fun to roll with man that poor bastard I was attacking him today he yielding me money i just I had to get some kimuras out you know i love my kimuras now you know? Um <clears throat> so I mean, but with the gate, I, I mean the, the 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 aspects that what I two things with the gate that, that I feel are so important. Uh, the self-defense we'll talk about that in a second. And uh just the control aspect. And 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 the slow everything. I look at it like this. Like, like imagine if there was never such a thing as as the fucking gate, ever. Jiu Jitsu was grappling was always without which was in shorts, always. Uh and then you say, all right, well, as a training tool, how do I make this more difficult? Uh, let me uh let me put the guy on, a, put a pair of ghee pants on, put a pants of pants on. Just a pair of pants. That way, when you're on, on bottom, you're just trying to get up and explode up. Now you can't explode up. Now you, you technically have to look for your butterfly sweeps, your leg lock attacks, your reversals. Uh, you have to get your dangerous close guard with your arm locks, your triangles, your omoplates, and you develop a game then normally, if you're a strong, big enough guy or a good wrestling background, you could just, boom, explode up until you meet a bigger, stronger wrestler. So that alone is important. And how do you make it even harder than that? All right, let's put a jacket on. Okay, now you're on top. You're trying to stand up, and now it's like somebody's got a rope around your neck. You often re, re, um, re, um, refer to the gi as a, a, sometimes when you're going for your strangles as it being like a rope around your neck. And I feel the same way with posture. If You have guys... Looking to so many more ways to manipulate your balance with those handles, with that gi on, pulling you down, just pulling you down, back and, and back and forth. You develop a solid sensitivity and posture that I don't believe you will develop without the gi. Um, breaking the grips. You, you can go on and on. But for a training tool, do you? what do you feel of the gi? Like my guys, you said you're beginners. My beginners, I do not, until they get four stripes on their belt which is totally back in the day with us was foreign because we never had stripes or anything like that and didn't care, but the, they have to get four stripes on their belt and then they're allowed to take that gi off and join the no-gi guys.
2: Yeah, I, I, I would run all beginners classes in a gi. Oh, God. There, there would be it's, no gi no so so much in more in
0: common than our love of comic books, actually my love of comics. uh, Your love of comic (laughs)
2: books. So you agree with that with the gi, I love
0: that. And so you believe it has its purpose.
2: Absolutely, Um, uh, let's break down what changes when you put a gi on or take one off. Uh, Really only uh, a few things change. First, the minute you put a gi on, the friction between the two athletes goes up astronomically. That immediately has a slowing down effect. Okay, it's, uh, you, can't, you can no longer just squirm or pull out of techniques, you have to work systematically out of them. You have to, you're forced immediately to apply technique to escape from positions rather than to rely on slipperiness, explosion or what have you. Okay, so that's the first effect, friction. The second effect is it massively multiplies the number of effective grips that you can em- employ upon your opponent. So that means that you have to learn patience. You have to learn how to systematically break grips and generate movement after breaking grips. You can't just move whenever you feel like it. So exactly. you, students tend to develop a, a good sense of patience and and, uh, uh, and subtlety in and, 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 and movement, uh, which is lacking in many people who only train without the, the, the jacket. And, of course, the third element is strangleholds. Yes. There's so many more strangles available with a gi on, it and they're so much more effective that you develop good, habits of always protecting your back and neck which you obviously don't see so much in, in pure no-gi uh, training situations so um, those, those habits of, uh, of defense and posture, those are enormously useful to any athlete as they go higher and higher in the sport and they translate well into nogi training also so for that reason I, I do believe it's very very important for students to, uh, especially early in their training when, they, when, when the main habits of their game are set uh, it's very, very important for them to to do some of their work in, in, in a gi. That's why, I, as, as I said before, if I had my own gym and, and there was a, a beginner's program, it would yes. be exclusively with a gi. Love it.
0: Yeah. Love it. Because you could teach the same stuff without it.
2: You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You don't have
0: to rely on it.
2: People always think, you know, how am I going to get better in six months? No one cares about your first six months or years of oh. the training. They worry about what you're going to be like when you're a, a mature black belt. Isn't that's it amazing
0: can't... with that, just having said that, because I was thinking about that. I, I don't think there's any other art. I, maybe there is. I don't think there is. You can't say boxing, Muay Thai, wrestling. Like, let's take some guys. Like I was very natural at, at, at jiu-jitsu. Uh, and there's some guys like that. But let's take a guy that's, and, and this is, is going to end up being a compliment. I want to take a guy a hardworking guy. Let's take a guy like Sean Williams. He, in the very beginning, he was just a hard, he wasn't exactly, I'm not going to say he was, he took to it like a fish to water. I'm going to say he was a hard, hard worker. Now, let's fast forward. It's almost like the tortoise and the hare. He, he's phenom- a phenomenal black belt, a great black belt. And he did very early, on, Joe Capizzi also, another guy that, again, I mean, there's another guy to roll with and this and that, but you see them put that time at Amal Eastern. These guys all legitimate black belts. They get. They have good students. They have good schools. They're 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 very they're they're they're, they're very good jedi's now. And but they did. If you looked at them early on, you might say you know that could be. A, I don't know. Is that fucked up?
2: <laughs> do, do you want to say that they look that they suck? No, honestly. you
0: son of a bitch. Uh, you hear what I'm trying to do? <laughs> I'm trying to say they put the time in. Of and now I can learn from them. Uh, where yeah. It, I just you didn't see that early on they you put the time in with brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. you will it's if you it's like if you go into a time machine and look at yourself twenty you, you got you're you're a fucking weapon
2: yeah you know? it's a, one of the great advantages of course is that ninety percent of it occurs on the ground which is relatively easy even yes. as you age i mean i I've, I've yes. just had a hip replacement i can I can still demonstrate the moves fine um Are you it to
0: roll now rolling, uh,
2: rolling is tricky I tried rolling once with Gary Toner and I fractured my hip oh, so no. Um, yeah. Does it kill you though that you can? Uh, or no! It, it, um, most of my effort now is invested in my students yeah. rather than myself, so it's not a big deal. But just
0: personally, but, like myself, I need. If I don't roll, I get nuts, dude. That's and it was you're a nut time job. I am—I'm a psychopath. <laughs> there was a time, Johnny, where I kind of was a little burnt down, Maybe just after the finding, Remember, I was getting—not that I'm also, a fucking lightweight now, but I had
2: some injuries. Yeah, I had some injuries. I had some problems.
0: Yeah, yeah that, that that health scare. But I, I don't know it, it I have maybe it's because I'm retired now and I just need it like I haven't sparred a day since I fought but I if I don't roll a certain times and again I don't have to go I'm not like getting ready for Abu Dhabi yeah. like but this morning I got a nice I got a nice hour session in we put the gi on I start now because of my lower back my guys help me out I start by just passing the guard and then once I get warm I'm warm you know how it yeah. is when you get your lungs open up, yeah. but I need it. how about this on the, walking onto the mat today I was limping where. My God, yo, you are you even able to fuck? Then after rolling, I feel like a new man.
2: <laughs> God bless you, Johnny. That's Johnny, awesome. listen,
0: wait, I, it's getting late. I know you're gonna have to get the fuck out of here because you're a fancy guy now, this motherfucker. <laughs> I don't. I feel there's so much more we gotta talk about. You, you're in, the, you're like, what, when,
2: what? The, the next Wolverine comic? Yeah,
0: you son of a bitch. <laughs> listen, I had a, listen, this is the beginning. Really quick, your guys, I want you to plug some stuff. Congratulations to Gary Tonin,
2: by yes. the way. Yes, yeah, and, a remarkable uh, And all your
0: success with all your guys. You guys are doing phenomenal. And that chick, that, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, what's uh, uh, Bourdain's? Uh, At-
2: Atavia uh, Bourdain. Yes. Yeah.
0: She, was, she came down to the school too, and she looked fucking phenomenal. She's tough. She looked phenomenal. And yeah. she has some leg locks too. No, I'm only kidding. She looked phenomenal. <laughs> I meant rolling, you sick son of a gun. Anyway, dude, are you going to come back again? Oh, You're going to come Lord. back again. You live here. You're coming back again. <laughs> what, Monday? <laughs> Tuesday? Next week? Johnny, thanks for coming in. Dude, we went down memory lane. We had a, yeah. we had a good time. What Do you have anything coming up with your guys?
2: Yeah. Um, Tell me. Uh, Gary has just fought successfully uh, last weekend. But uh, this weekend, uh, Gordon Ryan just turned 21 years old, will be fighting. Amazing what he does. Um, And, you know, what's more remarkable is he's only been training uh, around five to five and a half years. And um, uh, he's already been victorious in uh, EBIs, of course, in the past. Uh, He's fighting in the heavy, light heavyweight uh, EBI, 205 pounds. So most of the other athletes will be coming down from around 230, 240, down to 205. He walks around at like 182 that so, like um, that's exciting, uh, though. so that's yeah, exciting so yeah it'll be a classic example of the small guy versus big guy kind of genre and uh, he's training extremely well and um, uh he's he's a very funny fellow and uh but also just like we talked about before very hardworking, very passionate about yes. the sport um eddie cummings uh gary Tonnen and gordon ryan will all be competing in the abu dhabi trials coming up soon to, okay for a chance to go to the adcc which of course you won you're a former champion oh, thank you so much and um uh, runner up um, <laughs> you were champion we both know that and um <laughs> best. uh so they will be looking to emulate your feat in that regard. And uh, then Gordon Ryan has some very interesting matches in the future. He'll be fighting Philippe Pine. Uh, oh. Who's uh, generally agreed to be one of the foremost uh, sport jiu jitsu black belts uh, in the world? Who's uh, again several weight categories above him? They'll be fighting, I believe, in San Diego. Uh, Nicky Ryan, his 15 year old brother, will be fighting the same day against Cabrinha's son.
0: Oh, get on him! Yeah, isn't that crazy?
2: And uh, Cabrinha's son, I believe, is 19. Oh, wow. And uh, Gordon Ryan is 15. So it's a big age difference. and he's Gordon a, Ryan's brother. Sorry, uh, Gordon yeah. Ryan. <laughs> He's a young father. <laughs> he's a young father, my God. Um, um, he's uh, so, got So Nicky Ryan will be matched with him. Um, there's a big age difference and also a size difference, but uh, Nicky's training very, very well. Oh, he's gonna, uh, he's very talented. You, so um, everyone's got uh, stuff coming up, and um, uh, we just see how it goes. They're any, training hard.
0: Any of these guys? I know Gary uh, expressed... Um, some interest before yes. in fighting MMA any of these yes. guys want to fight MMA
2: I believe Gordon and Gary both have their hearts set on it
0: alright you want some sparring we're not far yes don't look at me I'm retired I got guys to spar with you
2: <laughs> no I, I wanted to just straight up fight Ray Longo
0: oh, you and Ray in a death match could he have a Cali stick
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't stand a chance yeah.
0: hey man he'll hit me if, in the head. They, if, they, if people want to get a hold of you or anything like, can you give your Instagram because you give some great posts on Instagram not just saying because you mention me sometimes which are the ones I always <laughs> share <laughs> is that a coincidence that I always I have noticed them. that I noticed that that's not that. true I like all of them give your Instagram really quick cool and your Twitter what do you mean give it just give it out to the world this is this is the winky freaky thing this is the official podcast what, do you what even, know even know mean? it and why do you got a fanny pack
2: John fanny packs are superior everyone knows are you, it.
0: Are you, what are you going on Facebook
2: um, I'm <laughs>
0: it on your phone? Oh, I'm you're going finding to my Instagram. your Instagram. I'm finding my Go Instagram. Go ahead, Johnny. It's just Danaher John. Yeah, on Instagram. You're kind of fucking at me, Chris the how producer. How do you know how that? Do you, how do you spell that? It's D A N A H E R. D A N A
2: H E R. My name. And then John. And John.
0: Danaher John on Instagram, guys. He's it's so insightful. Thank you so much, the brilliant John Danaher, ladies and gentlemen. And then there's Chris the producer. All right, we're out of here, John. Thanks. We're hanging out again. Take care, everybody.
2: Thank you. This has been a digital media production. Find your
1: voice.